Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you, and you're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Well, good morning. And the top news of the day is that there was an earthquake in the fourth estate yesterday with the sudden and inexplicable exit of Tucker Carlson from Fox News. And we will be talking about that uh, much more in the program and also uh, Don Lemon exiting CNN yesterday as well. But I want to get to my first guest uh, off the top because he's so gracious to join us this morning. It's our good friend, uh, Patrick Morrissey, who is the West Virginia Attorney General and running for governor of the great state of West Virginia. Uh, good morning, Patrick. Great to uh, talk with you this hey. morning. Good morning, Jenna. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the big news there that, uh, frankly, I was surprised to see uh, was that you have now come out and endorsed President Trump, put up a great photo of uh, you and he. And so I wanted to get your take on this because we're seeing how um, there are many Republicans that are uh, endorsing Trump and you're running for governor. So did that uh, play a factor in your endorsement or what's your thought process uh, heading into your own election, but then also uh, 2024 for the presidential election? You know, Jenna, I've always strongly supported President Trump. And uh, during his tenure of office, I led many, excuse me, led many legal battles to defend a lot of his policy initiatives. So, you know, for instance, on America's energy independence, West Virginia really counts on our coal, our oil, our gas, our manufacturing jobs. And President Trump was spot on. I remember spending some time uh, talking with him about his plans to deregulate and his plans to expand America's energy independence. And that's exactly what West Virginia needs. It's so critical for the job base in our state. So for many years, I've supported the policies that have really been so good for West Virginia. And I thought it was very natural. I've, I've supported this president for a long time. I thought what happened to him a few weeks ago with the Manhattan DA was really wrong. I mean, these are things, as I'm fond of saying, that banana republics do. And when you have a prosecutor that goes after someone and you uh, politicize a prosecution, that's wrong on every level. And I've always spoken out against that. So I think he's well positioned to win. I know a lot of people look at the early polls, but he has a record. I think it's a very strong record. And whether it's energy issues, whether it's the tax matters, or just what he's done at the border, I think it's very impressive. Right now, we are struggling so much seeing the massive quantity of fentanyl flood in. And I know this president cares about that uh, because I've talked to him about this. He cares about the drug epidemic. He did so much more than what Obama did fighting the drug epidemic. And I think it's critical that his policies get reinstated very quickly. So I've been very supportive of President Trump. I think West Virginia in particular misses uh, President Trump, and uh, that's why I'm behind him. 
Yeah, well, I, I definitely think you're spot on that uh, anyone reasonable misses <laughs> President Trump and certainly even Democrats who uh, <laughs> who who may not like President Trump's, uh, some of his personality, shall we say, quirks, uh, they at least would have to admit that they were better off under his policies. And so uh, being America first, I, you know, I, I completely understand um, that position. And so, you know, moving forward into uh, to 2024, I think you're absolutely right that the polls are really early. And uh, seeing how this goes, the the GOP primary is, is set up potentially as, as a little bit of a bloodbath. And so um, what's your thought on on if and when Governor DeSantis enters the race? And of course, yesterday when he's out um, talking in uh, in Japan and, and doing a few other things in terms of these um, th- this state level mission, he was asked if he uh, saw the polls and what his response was. And he, of course, said, well, I'm not a candidate. Um, and everyone knows that that's kind of the, the unspoken is yet. Um, so if and when he does jump in, which I anticipate that he will, um, we're going to see some endorsements on that side as well. So um, so what, for, for the people who are looking at this and are so siloed into either what I consider it to be um, either only Trump or never Trump, my view of that is that neither of those positions are really Uh, tenable in a general election, because whoever wins the nomination um, is certainly better than the Democrat who, uh, you know, Joe Biden is is set to announce his reelection campaign today, which I think is hilarious. Um, But what's what is your take on the the primary battle versus uh, how how we need to kind of treat each other and then moving forward into the general? You know, Jenna, I've always thought that whenever you have a campaign, there's an opportunity Uh, to get a lot of good ideas on the table. So I've never shied away from that uh, fact. And so I would say I'm very positive about President Trump. And, you know, that doesn't mean you have to be negative about anyone else. You know, I I know that there's some great ideas that are going to be coming uh, from this process. And I think that's a terrific thing. And so obviously my support is uh, confirmed with President Trump. uh, But once again, I look and I hear some of the discussions that Vivek has or others have had, and they make really good points. And I think you want to have idea factories during this process because that's how you get better. I know that I think about that even with respect to my race. Uh, I think that I'm in a strong position to win, but I've always said that I think there'll probably be good ideas and there'll be good people uh, that participate in the process and that you can win on the power of your ideas. You can win based upon your qualifications. There's so many incredible things that you can do. And so, you know, I do think that there are other people who've had records of accomplishment or who are very, very uh, good. But, you know, for me, I look at what's best for West Virginia. And when I think of West Virginia, I think about our coal jobs, our energy jobs. I think about stopping the fentanyl and having the will to do that. And I think President Trump is going to be uh, really terrific in all of those areas. I've supported him in the past. And, you know, when you've worked with someone in the past, you get to know them and the good work that they do, then that convinces me that you should stay with them. So uh, I do think we're going to have a really interesting race. It's going to be exciting. I think about the debate <laughs> stage on the Republican side. And, Jenna, what a contrast to the Democrat side where they're not going to even allow debate, which is crazy. But I guess if you were supporting Biden, 
you probably wouldn't allow it to paint either, right? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, it, w- it was bad enough in 2020. But now, you know, a few years later, the rapid deterioration of Joe Biden that has been right before our eyes is so tragic. And, uh, you know, I still can't imagine that that his wife is actually okay with this and clearly is um, supporting this. But, you know, that's that's a whole different problem. Um, But but one last thing, um, Patrick Morrissey, and I know that you have to uh, jump off here in a few minutes, but. Um, you, you also mentioned that President Trump has a record that he's running on. And and that's true. I mean, you know, everyone likes to say, oh, he's the outsider and he's the one who's, you know, outside of Washington. But, you know, they forget that he does have a record and it's actually a really good one. Um, there are things, of course, we can all say, you know, this didn't get done or that should have been a different decision. And, and some things, you know, I think that voters um, will have some some issues with like how he handled COVID and, and Dr. Fauci. And some of those things should be talked about. But um, what's interesting to me is that the campaign so far, his campaign has not appeared to really address his record, but you raised some really good points about um, how strong he is on jobs and, and industry and, and all of those things. Um, so just in the last minute we have here uh, with you, Patrick Morsey, um, Talk just about your campaign as well for a governor and why that's important as well to the state. Well, part of the reason that I support President Trump are his initiatives with respect to the economy, I thought were spot on. And when I think about what I'm going to accomplish as governor, I think of the need to supercharge our economy, enhance our standard of living, increase educational attainment, stand up for our West Virginia values. And I I see President Trump in that exact same mode. And when I think about what he did to uh, go after regulations, you know, knocking two regulations out for everyone that went on the books, going after taxes, energy independence, those are exactly the kinds of things that I'm thinking about here in West Virginia to just drive our job base forward. So look, looking at the court system, obviously we've had huge cases and a really good batting average up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, that's because President Trump, uh, he named three justices and named so many others. And so I can literally go through a list of the record, the positive record. And I do think that President Trump should be talking even more about his positive record because it's compelling. And you know, he did things that no one else has done before with respect to moving the capital uh, in Israel, Jerusalem. I mean, things in the Middle East peace process that he doesn't get enough credit for. And that's what motivates me. I'm motivated based on the substance of what's really been delivered. And I think he's delivered. Yeah, well, really, really well said. And so Patrick Morrissey, thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning. And how can people find you and support your campaign uh, for governor in West Virginia? Absolutely. People can go to patrickmorrissey.com. That's two R's, one S. Uh, and folks could go in, maybe chip in 10 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever people want to do. But we've got a great opportunity to have a very strong voice uh, to protect our country and our state. We're going to keep building these large coalitions uh, to take on the political elites, the administrative state, and stand up for our West Virginia conservative values. So, if people go to patrickmorrissey.com, uh, that would be terrific. And, Jenna, it's a pleasure to be with you today.
Thanks so much, my friend. Well, we will talk with you soon and uh, appreciate that. And, you know, it's so great to have fighters like Patrick Morsi and like others um, around the country in states that are doing all of this uh, for the America First agenda and principles that ultimately, I think, just reflect our founding. And that's one of the things that I love so much about President Trump's policies uh, that truly reflect an understanding of America's founding, America's history, and moving forward to protect and preserve the rights that a government should for America. And so uh, Patrick Morrissey is right that that President Trump has a record. And um, my my personal view is that he should be running on that record and should be promoting all of the great things he's done. And there are significant accomplishments in his first term instead of a lot of these really negative attack ads. I'm watching, you know, social media that's responding and um, and, and really kind of turned off at some of this messaging because DeSantis isn't even in the race. And uh, and while, of course, you know, there's always going to be some negative attack ads and you can't really help that uh, in a campaign. Uh, I personally think that Trump would do much better to amplify and highlight the things that we all love and respect about him and would get a lot more support that way. But um, but President Trump also uh, responded on Greg Kelly's show on Newsmax, our good friend Greg Kelly, uh, with this response to the Tucker Carlson firing. So I want to play that really quick. This is cut two. So Tucker Carlson was sitting here two weeks ago interviewing you. He's gone. What do you make of that? Well, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. Uh, he's a very good person and a very good man and very talented, as you know, and he had very high ratings. So uh, we're just learning about it almost as we speak. You and I just said, wow, that was something. That's a big one. Uh, I don't know if it was voluntary or was it uh, somebody fired. But I think Tucker's been uh, terrific. He's been, especially over the last year or so, he's been terrific to me. There's a lot of turmoil over there at Fox. I mean, 787 yeah. they just paid. Why would they get rid of a guy who's performing? Why would somebody do that to their business? You know, that really is the question. Why would someone do that to their business? Well, we will be talking uh, much more about Tucker Carlson and this uh, this earthquake that has completely shattered uh, the fourth estate and I think revealed that there are a lot more issues going on in media uh, than we may even recognize. So we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning to talk about Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, and so much more. We'll be right back. Here's a story of both tragedy and hope. This is Bible League International and our campaign, Fan the Flame, Bibles for Asia. Lalitha was born in coastal India and raised a strict Hindu. When her husband died because of her abject poverty, the drug cartel forced her into human trafficking and she lived in utter hopelessness until a former prostitute, now a Christian, introduced her to Jesus. Filled with hope, Lalitha would learn to share her faith with others and lead 90 people to Christ before she died tragically of HIV AIDS, 
something that she was afflicted with during those years in human trafficking. They need Bibles in India and all across Asia. And that's why we have this campaign, Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20, $500 sends 100 Bibles. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Or give generously at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jerome Powell, chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve. He oversees the banking system of the United States of America. 1 Corinthians 4.2 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jerome Powell as he leads the U.S. Federal Reserve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. There's been a significant uptick in violence by transgender activists. A woman who identified as a man killed six people at a Nashville Christian school. A man who identified as a woman was stopped before he made good on a threat to attack churches in Colorado Springs. And a Montana Democrat recently predicted there would be bloodshed if transgender surgeries for minors are outlawed. Now comes word that Utah State Representative Mike Kennedy's home was vandalized. Dr. Kennedy recently introduced a bill to ban transgender surgeries on minors. His garage and driveway covered in red paint, along with a warning, these trannies bash back. Kennedy said he will not be deterred by the acts of cowards. The Republican lawmaker said he will not back down by those who use vandalism and violence. And he called on the good people of Utah to stand up and push back against radical sex and gender activists. A good word indeed. I'm Todd Starnes. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. So the top news this morning was the utter bombshell yesterday of Tucker Carlson's exit from Fox News, which was followed swiftly by the news that Don Lemon was also fired from CNN. So what do we make of this? Well, um, our good friend Todd Starnes was supposed to join us this morning, and unfortunately, uh, we're having a little bit of tech issues that are totally my fault, and I apologize. Um, I am on the road this morning, so if you're also hearing a little, uh, you know, that that volume difference, uh, that is the reason, and we apologize for that. But I uh, hope that you will stay with us and uh, get t- to Todd's commentary, uh, which will actually be on my podcast as well this afternoon. So uh, we will get his commentary there, and you can find that. Uh, later this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern 
on the Jenna Ellis Show. So uh, that is my Salem Media podcast. And um, of course, Todd was a former Fox News contributor and uh, I'm sure has some really great insights into his thoughts of this. But um, but what should we make of this? And what should we make of the fact that Fox News had uh, is, of course, the the number one cable news outlet based on the ratings and Tucker Carlson's show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, of course, was the number one rated show on the Fox News broadcast. So the fact that he, uh, according to reports, was apparently not even aware of his firing uh, reports this morning are suggesting that he was only uh, notified 10 minutes before the news dropped to the rest of the world. Um, Does that really show that that Fox maybe made kind of a snap decision or was this kind of something coming in the cards? Well, I think the latter is probably true, that this was a long time coming, especially when you consider how much uh, the Fox News board is a lot of leftists. Um, Paul Ryan, of course, you have um, the Murdoch family uh, that is running this with the exit of of Roger Ailes uh, back in, I believe that was 2016. Um, And he had really, Roger Ailes had really been um, the one who was keeping Fox uh, for all of his other you know, nastiness and, and other things that are obviously, uh, you know, not not, not appropriate um, in terms of what he did for the network uh, was keeping that a little more on track generally with the audience and what the audience wanted to see in terms of the content, because that's why we all tune in. Right. Um, it's not because um, of advertisers. It's not because of, you know, anything else. Um, if you tune into this show, if you tune into uh, Fox News, you're coming because you expect a certain type of content. So here at AFR, you know that we are going to uh, talk about things that are family friendly from a biblical perspective, and that is our brand. And and so even though, of course, as a nonprofit um, and AFA, and we have uh, all of the wonderful people out there that support this network, we also have a a brand that our content is based on that so that you have that guarantee. And for Fox News, uh, their brand was more of a, shall we say, right wing perspective. And you know, that's almost a slur to, from the left these days. Right. But um, I kind of wear that as a badge of honor to say, OK, you know, this this is on the political and if we look at the political spectrum and where moderate or centrist at least was, um, looking at this considered right wing now used to just be common sense. And so we would tune in, my family, I mean, I remember growing up um, watching Bill O'Reilly, who had been the predecessor to uh, to Tucker Carlson. And, um, you know, my dad watched him for years and I kind of grew up listening to political commentary from uh, mainly Bill O'Reilly, also, of course, uh, Rush Limbaugh on air and, you know, a few of these others. And and we expected that the content from Fox News would be genuinely conservative. But over the last few years, especially and particularly in the wake of the Donald Trump phenomenon and uh, seeing how the network covered Donald Trump in particular and has also covered um, a lot of these issues. I was very disappointed personally to see uh, that they have celebrated Pride Month for all. And um, during the month of June have put these uh, bumpers, you know, which are their um, the images that that are the wraps around different segments. They'll put these bumpers up that show 
uh, pride and and the things that they are willing to as a network champion that are certainly not conservative in any sense of the word and certainly not founded on moral truth. So what's the issue? Why would they do that? I think it's the same question that we contemplated just last week about Bud Light as a brand. Saying, okay, if you know your consumer base, if you know the people that uh, consume your product, which you know, the news industry is is a product. It's a it's not just a service. They're not doing this as a public service. It is actually a revenue generating institution. Uh, they want to have advertisers. They want to make money. Um, then why would Bud Lightford have Dylan Mulvaney, this you know trans guy who thinks he's a little girl, have his face plastered on the beer cans that clearly don't mesh with their base? Well, could it be that Fox is concerned about their uh, their diversity, equity, and inclusion score? Could it be that they are more concerned with appearing to pacify uh, some of these leftists in terms of the woke agenda than genuinely representing content that their primary audience wants? And Tucker Carlson did not go along with that. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience, having been a guest for many years on um, all kinds of Fox programs, including Tucker's, um, I can't think of any show um, actually off the top of my head that I didn't appear on um, at least, you know, at least once on on the Fox channel on, um, you know, some of the business side it was a little different. Um, but in terms of of the content, you know, Tucker was one that was willing to speak the truth and speak his opinion and have guests that were to the woke side controversial. Um, And so he was willing to evidence and emulate um, the the mindset of conservatism in a way that I think um, no other host, even including Sean Hannity, was really willing to get down to. And he was willing to talk about that worldview. And um, I remember even pitching him ideas back in, uh, during the midst of, of COVID and uh, when I was representing Pastor John MacArthur and saying, you know, this church shutdown issue is a really big deal. And he let me come on and talk about that and talk about, you know, the constitutionality of um, and the religious freedom implications for churches. And that's a big deal. Uh, so, you know, so Tucker was willing to cover things that I think the other hosts on the network weren't. So that, of course, led to him being the number one host on that network. And I know a lot of people that was the only show that a lot of these people were watching. So why on earth then would Fox News fire someone who is main and prime star on their network? Well, interestingly... Um, I saw a piece yesterday that uh, is that says that BlackRock, and you all know that uh, very woke uh, corporation, BlackRock increased its position holding in the Fox Corporation as of February 1st. So this is from Fintel, and it reports that BlackRock filed a disclosure with the SEC that its ownership of 45.74 million shares 
of the Fox Corporation and represents a position holding a 15.1% of the company. In their previous filing, dated January 27th, 2022, so this is a year later, uh, they reported only 39.87 um, MM shares and 12.4% of the company. So this is an increase in the shares of 14.75% calculated based on the previous ownership. So um, this to me is just Fox going woke. This is is Fox saying, uh, we want to have more of this diversity, equity, and inclusion score. We want to uh, have advertisers that were not willing to advertise their brand on Fox when someone like Tucker Carlson was still there. And of course, you know, in, in the wake of uh, the the January 6th, um, you know, incident and, and all of the, the controversy around January 6th, there were a lot of advertisers that pulled out of various networks, um, I believe Fox included, and and basically were essentially boycotting conservative networks. So this to me represents Fox trying to reorient its brand back to a more woke agenda and a more woke ideology. And it's because of its board, because of, um, you know, a lot of these shareholders like like BlackRock. I mean, if they have 15.1% of the company, that's not insignificant. And if you look at the trajectory of where this is going, a lot of the um, a lot of the programming has not covered um, a lot of these things fairly. When is the last time you know you really heard Fox ever cover the January six prisoners and ever cover any of this kind of weaponization of government? I mean, you know, of course they covered things like uh, President Trump getting uh, arraigned out of Manhattan, and they had you know some of these people on. But when their primary kind of go to Republican is Karl Rove. You have to ask yourself, what is really their definition of Republican commentary? And so they don't have a lot of these people that are genuine conservative commentators um, anymore. And and in case you're wondering, um, because I went to Newsmax as a contributor, um, I haven't been on Fox um, in a couple of years as a guest um, just because I signed um, an exclusivity agreement initially with Newsmax. And so, um, so, you know, in terms of my position with with Fox News, um, I chose to go to Newsmax after um, I, I wrapped my representation of President Trump in the campaign, and that's fine. And you know, people do that all the time, and um, and and then you become a network uh, personality and a contributor and a guest to one specific network, and um, and that's fine. And part of the reason um, that I chose that is because I saw how Newsmax was covering a lot of the news items and some of their hosts, like you just heard Greg Kelly talk to President Trump and um, and how their hosts would treat a lot of these issues compared to another network. And I personally became uh, really disillusioned with Fox even a couple years ago in how they covered um, the entire scope of the aftermath of the 2020 election, how they covered January 6th, and you know they call some of their guests are calling it you know an insurrection, which is just a leftist talking point um, to try to weaponize the language of the 14th Amendment, and you know and so for some of this, for me, the only person that was genuinely worth watching on the network anymore was Tucker, and uh, and Tucker has always had a brilliant view 
of culture and politics and life and family. And it's interesting because he calls himself an Episcopalian um, and really doesn't take a whole uh, theological stand that, that, of course, we would as Christians. But he was willing to cover the content that the audience genuinely wanted. So what does this mean now for Fox that Tucker is gone and we'll see if uh, there are any others that are leaving um, in in the next few weeks or months? Of course, um, Dan Bongino also left, which... um, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. And so, uh, you know, this this had nothing to do with, you know, any of the like the Fox News uh, settlement or any of their lawsuits or anything um, that was already in the cards in terms of of some contract dispute issues with Dan. But I think that all of this just shows Fox isn't willing to have the talent on air that is genuinely presenting the content that their audience wants. And so what is that going to mean for Fox? Well, I think that they are taking the gamble and the position that they would rather have more woke leftist companies like maybe Bud Light, who is willing to advertise on their network because they have to make money based on their advertisers. You and I, yeah, we pay for a cable service, but that doesn't go directly just to Fox. Uh, they make money based on their advertisers. And so they want advertisers as their audience. They want uh, you know, pe- to satisfy people like BlackRock more than they do you and I as viewers and consumers of their content. So what should we learn from this? Well, I think we need to treat it the same way as we do Bud Light. There are a lot more channels. I would suggest for all of you who are listening to this show right now and who listen to this on the stream later, tune in to AFR instead. We will cover uh, some of these top issues and we will have content from a non-woke perspective. I guarantee you that no one in the AFA family is going woke anytime soon. That's just not what we're going to do. And we are going to speak the truth boldly as we should. And uh, and I haven't watched Fox News in a long time. Um, I watch you know clips of Tucker. We've played clips uh, from him on this program. And we'll continue you know, to do that. And I really hope that he gets uh, another show that's on a streaming platform. We're seeing how uh, cable news is dying out anyways, because people of my generation and younger uh, don't really want to, to pay for the content anyway. And why should we? Because we're now paying for a product that doesn't even care about us as a consumer. So the main takeaway we should have from this is that Fox News is going woke and we can turn it off. So that's my take. We're going to be right back and take some of your phone calls in the next segment, as well as play a clip from Tucker that I think really shows his worldview of all of this. And I think you're going to find fascinating. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis. God made his design for marriage and family absolutely clear. Unfortunately, the world listens to Satan and therefore has a totally opposite view. Your friend who is saying, 
I encourage my daughter to identify as my son because I want to be loving and accepting. Christian, you need to say that is child abuse. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 wants to restore God's plan. July 6th through the 8th at the Cadence Bank Arena and Conference Center in Tupelo, Mississippi. Strengthen your marriage and your family with Dr. Kathy Cook. So they choose the quality. They keep making the same choice. The ability develops. It becomes a natural part of who they are. It becomes a part of their character. It marks them. Ryan Baumberger. We are the ones who care for people after they're born. I mean, one of my parents adopt us and throw us in a cage. Hey, go fend for yourself. No. And many more. The Youth Apologetics track is back as well. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023, for His glory alone. Register today at marriagefamilylife.net. In this new world, on this new day, we rejoice that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Preborn has been preparing for this moment for the past 16 years by positioning their clinics in the top six abortion states where 50% of abortions occur. Sadly, five of these six states will continue to abort babies at an even greater level. And since the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of abortions, babies are even more at risk. Preborn pregnancy clinics are completely dependent on you as they offer life-saving ultrasounds and the life-saving gospel to moms and babies in crisis. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies, and I'll tell you all about it. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back, and we are going to open up the phone lines for your comments and questions and quips. Uh, (laughs) Perhaps we could do all of those this morning here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. So if you'd like to call in and uh, comment on Tucker, Fox News, Media, Don Lemon, and CNN, that one was really funny. We haven't even covered that yet. You can call in at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And I want to also play this uh, clip, and and it's about six minutes long, uh, but it's really, really worth it. This is a segment of Tucker Carlson's speech just this past weekend in Washington, D.C. at the Heritage Foundation's 50th anniversary. And listen to his perspectives and then consider this question as you're listening to this. Does this sound like a guy who is going to have longevity at a broadcast brand 
that's going woke. Well, listen to this. This is cut one. It might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to, to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is a very Anglo-American assumption, that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes. Right? So like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever. And so we're going to argue about tax rates. And I think higher tax gets, gets us there. I'm a Keynesian. And, you disagree, you're an Austrian or whatever. But the objective is the same. And so we write our papers and they write their papers and may the best papers win. I, I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me because I don't have any. I grew up in the foul, shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant, and what do we do about that, and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. I, of course I understand that, and I have compassion for everyone involved. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? Well, you, that's like an Aztec principle, actually. There's not a society in history that didn't practice human sacrifice. Not one. I checked. Even the Scandinavians, I'm ashamed to say. It wasn't just the Mesoamericans. It was everybody. So like, that's what that is. Well, what's the point of child sacrifice? Well, there's no policy goal entwined with that. No, that's a theological phenomenon. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake, hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. So if you want to assess, and I'll put it in non, and I'll stop with this, I'll put it in non, I'll put it in non-political, uh, or non, rather non-specific theological terms, and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of those? And by the way, you know, I, I think the Athenians would have agreed with this. This is not necessarily just a Christian notion. This is kind of a, I would say, widely agreed upon understanding of good and evil. What are its products? What do these two conditions produce? Well, I mean, good is characterized by order, 
calmness, tranquility, peace, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's true. It is. And evil is characterized by their opposites. Violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So if you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching, which is not one, and I'm not, certainly not backing the Republican Party. I mean, ugh. I'm not making a partisan point at all. I'm, I'm just noting what's super obvious. Like those of us who are in our mid-50s are caught in the past in the way that we think about this. One side's like, no, 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 you know, I've got this idea and we've got this idea and let's have a debate about our ideas. They don't want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And I think two things. One, we should say that and stop engaging in these totally fraudulent debates where we are using the terms that we used in 1991 when I started at Heritage as if maybe, you know, I could just win the debate if I marshaled more facts. I've tried that, doesn't work. And two, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious, like why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist, I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian. The Samaritans of our time. I'm coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will. That's just so well articulated from Tucker that these people on the left are not arguing in good faith. We're not having a policy discussion with the same goal in mind, just how do we get there? This isn't the founders in their debates at the Constitutional Convention all unanimously agreeing that we need to have a country that preserves and protects our God-given rights. This is now devolved into the left literally trying to advocate for evil. And Tucker is willing to say this. So why on earth would Fox want him to continue saying that in the number one slot on the number one cable news network in the nation? Well, they clearly don't. So let's get your thoughts, though, now in the last 10 minutes we have on the program. Let's go first to Lynn out of Arkansas. Good morning, Lynn. Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, I really like Tucker. Um, I watch anybody with, um, how how should I say it, discernment, you know, to see. I don't totally give my thoughts to one person like they can go wrong like how Ravi Zacharias went wrong you know what I'm saying but I really like Tucker I thought to myself I can't believe that he is saying the truth he is on this station because they're they've become a mixture and um 
I noticed the advertisers on uh, Fox. Um, I noticed that on Mark Levin, they have BlackRock. And I heard uh, companies that would say things like, you need to get the benefits you deserve. It was it was kind of like the Democratic um, entitlement kind of thing. And then I found out Consumer Cellular was, um, you know, leftist. And um, anyway, so I noticed those things. But um, I'm wondering who they're going to replace him with. And I, I only turn on Jesse Waters that was before him to see what kind of information they're putting out, because I think they needed somebody younger to uh, point to the younger crowd. And um, like they would have guests on Jesse Waters, like um, oh, Lindsey Graham and stuff like that, that <laughs> is a climate change believer and et cetera. Right, right. Well, really good comments, Lynn. And, you know, first, I agree with you that we need to have a wide variety of people that we listen to, but always compare their views, including me, compare what I'm saying to scripture. Don't just, don't just take my opinion and my perspective for it, because hopefully, um, and I always strive to be in line with truth, um, but that always has to be our standard. You don't just uh, listen to one person or one outlet and think that um, even your pastor, you know, don't just listen to one person and think that that is a replacement for uh, listening to God and being daily in the word. And of course, we have to analyze the news of our day and um, and and live out the Christian life uh, in our day. Uh, but with truth. And, um, and, and so, yeah, the, I think that's a great perspective and uh, really well said. Let's go to Laura from Oklahoma. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, first time I've ever spoke with you. Um, glad Welcome. that you are in the position you are. Well, I want to say that um, I'm not a big Fox follower, but I did a hundred percent appreciate Tucker Carlson. I love the, the, the boldness the truth that he would take. And particularly when he came against the agendas that are out there, he was not afraid. He was not ashamed. And I come to this from a bit of a different perspective. So in Oklahoma, I work for an organization called the Red Cord, and we fight human trafficking through education and awareness training. And we have a very good understanding of what is going on in the movement um, with the LGBT and what is going on with the transgenderism, what's going on with the grooming of the culture and how the church is becoming drunk with the culture. And the fact that he was bold enough to stand up and say the things that needed to be said while so many pastors and churches are dying because they won't take a stand, they won't stand up and speak out and they won't protect our kids. And you know, I'm sure you're aware of this with your training and your understanding that behind the LGBT movement, there's another one coming and they're trying to prepare us to accept minor attracted persons mm -hmm. as a normal thing. So I personally am grieved and broken because what we do here in Oklahoma anywhere anyone will call us, the red cord, is we take a stand against pornography. And as a Christian organization, we fight with education and truth. And I will tell you, this inflames people. And he was not afraid to do that. And we need more like him. And we as Christians need to push back. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for calling in and really appreciate that in your testimony and faithfulness to the truth. And, uh, you know, so well said. And, and, and I completely agree with you that, you know, Tucker, uh, having worked for the Heritage Foundation, for example, like he talked about, and being um, substantively aware and educated in philosophy of not only politics, but culture and all of these things, um, he saw this from a broader perspective. And as Christians, we see it even with a deeper and foundational understanding of truth. And so this is why we don't just talk about the news of the day in kind of this siloed mentality. Um, the the previous uh, caller, Lynn, uh, talked about Jesse Waters, for example, who, you know, in my view, he's just someone who talks about politics for politics sake. And so he'll you know, be very pro-Trump or he'll be very, you know, pro-Republican Party, but without much substance beyond that. And contrast that to someone like Tucker, who understands a broader picture and the cultural implications, not just politics itself. And so we need to make sure as Christians that we are always taking the approach that everything comes back to truth. It comes back to looking at uh, the future and how the woke agenda and the transgender movement is 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 just so disgustingly evil in culture and is is propelling us um, to this normalization of evil in society. And we have to stop that. And we can't just be so focused on politics that we lose what politics influences in the greater perspective. So I'm um, just really quick. Let's go to uh, Mike out of Georgia. Um, good morning, Mike. And welcome to Jenna Ellis in the morning. Hey, Jenna. Uh, yesterday I was listening to uh, today's issues when the news broke, and I had two immediate thoughts. First thought, Fox is dead. Second thought, AFR just catapulted in significance and importance because it's, it's obvious there's a concerted effort to silence voices of opposition. And, you know, I think AFR represents, and you said it this morning, like, People start tuning in to AFR. We need to support the voices that are going to stay out there. Mm, yeah, really appreciate that, Mike. And this is one of the reasons I'm so grateful to be at AFR, to have this show and this time with all of you each and every morning to talk about truth. And we are uncancelable here because of your support and because you listen and we care about the things of truth. So we will continue speaking about truth each and every morning here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Thanks so much for everybody who called in. You can also reach us by email, jenna at AFR.net, and I will see you tomorrow morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.